Let's be real. We got a couple of great topics for you today, but we're going to start with the quarterback carousel in the NFL. All right, let's get into some interesting NFL talk. We're going to talk, be talking about the three main quarterbacks that may be moving this offseason. One already did move, Derek Carr. He's now a member of the Saints. We're also going to get into Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson. Let's get into this. So Derek Carr was released by the Raiders and now signed a deal, four-year deal worth $150 million with the New Orleans Saints. What are your thoughts? My piggy bank hurts. I mean, my thoughts exactly. These quarterbacks are getting paid so... I never expected you to say that. My thoughts exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's my thoughts exactly. These quarterbacks are getting paid so much money nowadays, and especially quarterbacks that aren't at the top end, like the Patrick Mahomes or the Josh Allen. These quarterbacks are getting paid way too much money for being okay for being, I, I mean, I like Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr's a good quarterback. I think he's an above-average quarterback. Do I think he's worth that much money? Definitely not. And especially when you're going to a team that's not set up for success. Like, what are the Saints thinking? Yeah, I definitely agree. Now, I do think the Saints are going to be one of the front runners to make it to the playoffs in their division. But that doesn't mean you should be going and making such a big splash for that quarterback spending that much money. See, I guess I have a different mindset as a fan. I want my franchise to be working towards getting a Super Bowl. The Saints are not ready to be making a push towards the Super Bowl. Yes, they had terrible quarterback play last year. But that doesn't mean having an above-average quarterback is going to make your team Super Bowl ready. And when you're paying a quarterback that much money, you don't have that much room to make a team around him to be able to compete. This is a classic Titans-Tannehill situation with a team wanting to just make the postseason and being happy with it. And they're not trying to set up their team to win a Super Bowl. All right, that's enough on Derek Carr for now. Again, I, I really like Derek Carr. He almost won an MVP with the Raiders. But going to the Saints... It's a weird move. I, for him, I totally get it. If somebody's going to pay you that money, go there. But for the Saints, I find it to be a very weird move. All right, now let's get into the Aaron Rodgers of it all. Aaron Rodgers, especially on ESPN, has been getting so much coverage, it's mind-boggling. They have been talking about this since the day after the Super Bowl. They have brought up Aaron Rodgers, they have brought up Lamar Jackson, and they have brought up Derek Carr every single day since the day after the Super Bowl. You haven't gotten any news other than the last couple of days regarding anything. There hasn't been any new updates. Why are you spending so much time discussing these quarterbacks when you're getting no updates? I'm fine with you doing like a five-minute segment on it at the beginning of your show or whatever, but you don't need to talk about it for in the entirety of your show when you have nothing new to talk about. This is literally one of my pet peeve things with off-season sports. Analysts just constantly sit there and talk about 
well, if he went here or maybe he goes here or what if this team, he could go here and this team here and maybe this team wants him or this team wants him or it gets so old so quickly and so boring and it's repetitive over and over and over. But again, things have changed in the last couple of days, so we're going to talk about that. As you all know, Aaron Rodgers went into the dark. He did his darkness retreat, which me personally, I think I would go insane going into a darkness retreat, but, you know, it is what it is. So he goes into his darkness retreat, and he's supposed to have some news coming out afterwards, which he really hasn't had any news coming out. But with Derek Carr going to the Saints, that pretty much leaves... One of his only options as the Jets or the Raiders for him to go to. Or he goes back to Green Bay. But from everything, it seems like that is not the likely scenario. He's probably going to be more likely to retire than go back to the Packers because I don't think the Packers want him. So for the most part, now that the Jets are no longer in contention to get Carr since he signed with the Saints, I believe that is where Aaron Rodgers is going to be ending up, the New York Jets. All right, I see you, Aaron. I see you following the career of Brett Favre. Next team you're going to, Minnesota Vikings, 100%. All right, all kidding aside, let's talk about if we think he is a good fit with the Jets. And my first thought is I do not think he is a good fit for the Jets, and here's why. For one, last year in Green Bay, he did not show up during the offseason to get a rapport with his young receivers. And now, yes, I know he was injured with a finger injury during the year, but he had a terrible year last year. There was absolutely no timing with his young receivers, and they were not in sync in the slightest. So many weird possessions that you haven't seen from Aaron Rodgers before. So now he's going to go to a New York Jet team that has nobody he's used to, that has a bunch of young receivers, and yes, he, they do have a great one, right? But the thing is, he's not going to be spending the time. So I, I believe he's going to show up and he's going to have no timing. He's not going to be in sync with these receivers. He's not going to show up to get in sync with the offensive line. He's not going to be doing any of the things necessary to make your team Super Bowl contenders. Things like Tom Brady did, where he and his teammates got kicked out of a park during COVID because he wanted to make sure that they were ready for the start of the season. I think a lot of people underestimate how important it is to be in sync with your receivers and just teammates for that matter, because you need to know them as if you're best friends. You need to know their move as well as them knowing your move, because when you can do that, those are when plays don't go always as according to plan. And that's when you can still have success in that and make plays even better. And when you're not in sync, that's where you see a lot of interceptions happen. If a receiver runs a slightly different route than the quarterback was expecting, guess what? Most likely the defender is going to be in the right spot to get an interception. Another thing is I believe that Aaron Rodgers is not going to be good for the young team that you have around him. He is going to come in and he's going to be saying, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. He's going to go on post-game interviews saying, oh, well, it wasn't my fault this happened. It, the receivers were not in the right spot. The, the offensive line wasn't doing what they were supposed to. It's not my fault. And I think that's going to hinder the development of your young players. They're actually going to resent him. And I think that they're going to get to the point where they're saying, why 
did we bring him in so that we can compete for a championship, but he's not spending the time to get in sync with us to make us championship contenders, and then he's going to blame us for not being in the right place. Luckily, there are two easy fixes for that. One, a darkness retreat. And two, the Vikings will be calling. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> and the last thing I want to bring up is, why do you think that adding Aaron Rodgers is going to make your team a championship contender? Yes, I know that your team did very well when you had average quarterback play last year. But teams from one year to the next go up and down all the time. Just because you were good one year doesn't mean your team's going to be performing at the same level the next year. And again, why is adding Aaron Rodgers going to make you a championship contender? He's only been to one Super Bowl. He has failed in the playoffs multiple times in the past. In a time where the NFC is that much easier and has that many less teams that are competing for championships than the AFC, why do you think a guy who couldn't do it in the NFC will be able to do it in the AFC? Especially when he's in a division with the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. Josh Allen has the timing with his wide receivers. He's been with the team for many years. So I believe in a head-to-head, Josh Allen's going to be able to beat out Aaron Rodgers. I think that Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to beat out Aaron Rodgers. And I think that Joe Burrow is going to be able to beat out Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. All right, now let's get into the Lamar Jackson of it all. As you know, over the past couple of years, they've been trying to negotiate a long-term deal between the, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. That has not been able to happen. Now, just today, they put the non-exclusive franchise tag on him. Now, do you know what the non-exclusive franchise tag is? I know a little bit about it, but not really. Why don't you explain it for me and our viewers? So the non-exclusive franchise tag basically allows Lamar Jackson to go out and negotiate with other teams almost like he's a free agent and get a contract. Now, after he does that, the Ravens then get to decide whether or not they want to give the exact same contract he's getting from another team to him or not. So if they decide that the money and the years and the amount of guaranteed money is to their liking, they can say, all right, Lamar Jackson, you went out and you got a good contract. We'll accept it. Come back to the team and let's do this. The other option is, you know what, Lamar Jackson, I don't think you're worth that. We're going to let the other team sign you and then we're going to send, the other team is going to send two first round picks to the Baltimore Ravens. That is really weird. That definitely is. So let's get into discussing all in all what that means. For the most part, I believe this means that Lamar Jackson is not going to be the Baltimore Raven next year. I think a team's going to pay too much for the Baltimore Ravens to feel it's worth it, and they're going to let him go and get the two first-round picks. Now, what teams do we think are landing spots for Lamar Jackson? The answer to that is I'm not exactly sure, but let's go to the teams that were interested in Aaron Rodgers and that were front-runners for him. The Las Vegas Raiders and the New York Jets. Now, do you think either one of those teams adding him will become a championship contender? I think we can sit here and debate all day whether he's good enough or not, but ultimately it comes down to one thing. I don't think he's going to be healthy enough to be a championship contender. When it matters the most, he will not be healthy. That's a great point. I mean, if you look over the past couple of seasons, he has missed a good chunk of the season. And again, this year, he didn't even play in their playoff game. 
and they didn't make the playoffs last year. So due to his injuries, they didn't make the playoffs last year, the Baltimore Ravens, that is, and they didn't have him in this year's playoff matchup. So why do you think he's going to be able to have a sustained health for the entire season and then be able to play in the playoffs and get you to a championship? I think a lot of people overlook a player's ability to stay healthy and focus more on potential. That's great points, but in the end, if you're not healthy and not able to to perform when it matters most, you're not going to be competing. So do I think the Raiders or the Jets should go out and get Lamar Jackson? No, I don't think so. I don't know exactly where Lamar Jackson is going to end up, but I think there's going to be a lot less teams than there should be going after him because of his health risk. All right, next topic up, we are talking about the shift. The shift was banned this year in baseball. For those of you that don't know, it essentially banned infielders from moving to opposite sides. They have to stay in relatively same position from when they start. This was a big thing because there are a lot of people on both sides of the fence where some people think, well, if you can't learn as a professional baseball player to hit the ball the other way, then you suck and you shouldn't even be in MLB anyways, while other people think it ruins the game. I'm definitely on the side of you are being paid $10 million per year or more. Learn to hit the ball the other way. Learn to bunt. If you can't do that, you suck and you should not be in the MLB. What do you think about that? Yeah, this is a weird topic because I've seen games where where it just looks really weird what the uh, fielders, especially the infielders, are doing lining up. And But you are right. I mean, if you're getting paid that much money, you're a professional baseball player. You should be able to hit the other way. So in one respect, I think it's weird, and I don't necessarily like it. But in the other respect, I do think that these players should be able to get around that. Like, here's the thing with that. If a team wants to stick all eight players other than the pitcher in left field for whatever reason, they should be allowed to do it. How easy would it be for the hitter to be successful? Should be very easy. That's, that's a good point. So why is the MLB coming out being like, it ruins the game when you do this? They're listening to too many of these hitters doing it. And if you think about all of the hitters that are doing this, who are these hitters? It's the hitters that are home run hitters, power hitters, that struggle with contact, that only pull the ball, and are just playing the long game. And that's what MLB wants to be, is they want to be either strikeouts or home runs, nothing in between. And it falls back ultimately to that, is they think that the more people swing for the fences, the better the fans are going to react, the more fans they're going to have. That's just not the case. It ruins baseball when they start making rules that you can't shift. Yeah, that's great points, and especially what you said about them uh, wanting to have their players just swinging for the fences, thinking it'll bring in more fans. To me, it actually makes me not as interested in the game because it's either a, sw- a home run or it's nothing. There's no there's no getting to first base and trying to get the guy from first to second and then get a double to get the guy to third. No, it's just, I'm going to swing for the fence. If it works, great. If I strike out, oh, well. Now, one of my favorite parts about this, why I wanted to bring this topic up today especially, is one of the people who is very hateful against the shift and wanted it to be banned is Joey Gallo. <laughs> and he, left, left-handed batter, pulls the ball every time, always has people standing on the right side of the field, cannot hit to the left side. And take a guy like um, previously, Didi Gregorius was famous for this. When, he, when people would shift against him, he's a switch hitter, 
but when he was batting left-handed, people would shift and be on the right side of the field. He would bunt or push a little slap thing down the third base line, and he literally would get doubles and triples from bunting because he learned the way around it. And guess what they don't do anymore on him? Shift. Phenomenal. Anyways, so back to Joey Gallo. He hated the shift and loved that it got banned. His first couple at-bats in spring training so far, they have found loopholes around the shift. The shift says that you cannot move the infield to around to like the right side. You can't put all your infields on the right side. What they didn't figure out is that they can now just take the left fielder or the center fielder and put them on the right side of the field and just have a massive hole in left. So it looked like somebody had two second basemen. It was phenomenal. I absolutely loved it. Fans either loved it or hated it. But I love that they're actually trying to figure out loopholes already to this rule. And I am so glad that they're not being defined by, oh, this player has to stay in this position. And if they move even a step to your left, then that's going to be illegal and you're going to be fine. Yeah, those are all great points. I mean, again, just like in any other sport, you can't just ban something because it works too well against these professionals. These professionals should be able to work around it. You can't just say, oh, a safety can't blitz in the NFL because nobody knows how to block the safety. They're allowed to do what you're allowed to do on defense, and you shouldn't be making rules so that some of your home run hitters can get more hits. Stay tuned for MLB to change that rule next year because they really do want to get rid of the shift. (laughs) That wraps it up for today. Had some seriously strong takes today. Let us know in the comments down below if you agree with us, if you disagree with us. Remember to like and subscribe. Until next time, keep it real.